Well, good Thursday afternoon, everybody. It's November the 18th, and my title today is Recovery's Second Best Verse and Chocolate Cake. Yum! Yesterday, we looked at four reasons we should all memorize 1 Corinthians 10.13. It tells us that the temptations we are facing are common and that we are not just some pathetic loser because we become addicted to porn, yet God is faithful and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can resist. Uh, This means that when we're tempted, we don't have to go ahead and fall because God himself limits the power of sin in our lives into manageable proportions. Now, it may not feel that way, but that is only because of our long-standing history of failure in this area and the fact that porn and sex are highly addictive behaviors. Also, God promises us a way of escape so that we can endure temptation. Our problem is, when we're addicted to porn, once we begin to give in to the temptation, it seems uh, there is no turning back because we have not trained ourselves to back away from whatever is tempting us, and we keep toying with it in our mind. Now, these truths are essential if we're going to begin to be able to walk in freedom from an addiction to porn that is best done in a community with other Christian men. The next verse that I highly recommend you memorize is found in James chapter 1. James says to his readers that God never tempts anyone. So we should never believe that God is in any way the source of our temptations. Then he explains to us the actual process of temptation. And this verse is good for us to memorize because we can learn how temptation works on us and its end result. So James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 say, But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it has run its course, brings forth death. End quote. Now, if you can memorize this passage, it will help you with understanding how your temptations are working on you. And the most important thing is when you first begin to feel them, you start to deal with them. My problem was I learned to play with temptation, and probably so have you. I would allow certain fantasies to be in my mind, especially as I was trying to go to sleep. I believed that it was okay for me to just kind of cozy on up to the edge of the cliff, become somewhat excited, and then turn around and retreat to safety. The problem was, I loved the view. Even in the early stages of temptation, the chemicals lust produces were beginning to flood my brain, and it felt really good. 
my stress levels disappeared and I was being urged to oh, just, just stay a little longer, see a little more. And before I would realize it, I passed the point of no return and stepped off the cliff into another fall. So let's look at the six stages of temptation and sin that God tells us through James. And the first thing I want to point out is, it is our own lusts that are working against us. Our flesh, our sinful nature, which we were born with, and which has been learning how to practice on us since we were, oh, I don't know, about the age of two. Systematically, it has grown and perfected its techniques in how to get us to do what it wants us to do and which, in our Christian mind, we know we shouldn't do. So the first step is us being, quote, carried away. We can be minding our own business, going about the things we need to be doing, and something sexual catches our eye or a thought pops into our brain from out of nowhere and unexpectedly, and we begin to be lured or carried away. We leave whatever place of safety where we've been minding our own business when we are carried or lured away from safety to a place where we are presented with something that is tempting. Now, since the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, we just cozy right on up to the fence and have a look for ourselves. Now, we have not sinned yet, but we have just moved to a place where we can be tempted even more. And by the way, this is the best and easiest time or place to turn around, do a 180, and flee. But we don't. Then, sure enough, something pops into our mind or into our view that is enticing us. The ad using the sex cells approach is advertising uh, so that we get a glimpse that only makes us want more. And this is the second part of the process. And at that point, we are enticed. We begin to salivate because we just walked into the house and smelled something delicious. So we went into the kitchen and see this beautiful chocolate cake cooling on the counter. And suddenly we are lusting for cake. We still haven't sinned, but man, we're right on the verge, and it is the moment of decision. What we do next will either take us down, again, causing pleasure followed by anger and shame, or we can still decide to leave the area of temptation and no longer see what is enticing us to do what we know we shouldn't do. But even if you leave the kitchen, you're still smelling that delicious chocolate cake. And the battle of temptation is still going on. And, and so we begin to rationalize. Why, why shouldn't we just go ahead and help ourselves to a slice or three? And it is at that moment where we will make the decision to either stop and leave the kitchen or help ourselves and dive right in. 
And this is where in our mind we are going to either flee or feast. And years of feasting make it even more difficult to flee. And that decision is where the idea goes from being a theoretical act to an actual sin. If we choose to sin, then James says we give birth to sin. We have not yet done the action, but we have decided we will sin and so we will eat. Our thoughts turn into actions and we cut a large piece and sit down, perhaps even adding some vanilla ice cream, and we begin to gorge ourselves. The temptation is one. And now we are acting in sin. Now, what if the wife had walked into the kitchen to greet you? You probably would not have cut the slice. She probably could have ended the temptation by telling you to stay away from that cake because it is for some designated purpose and suggests, here, you can lick the mixing bowl. (laughs) What a lame suggestion that is. What a lame suggestion that is. So you hop in the car and drive to Tim Hortons and consume some donuts. Now, these are the first three stages of temptation. We're in a place of safety, only to be lured or carried away and enticed. And then, because of past actions and the powers of addiction, we make the decision Uh, that we're going to ignore all the reasons we should not sin, and we give birth to the idea that we are going to sin. So what can you learn about yourself from this verse so far? Where do you need to put up a boundary or a guardrail with a strong consequence, enough to stop you from proceeding into giving birth to the sin in your mind? We'll cover the next three stages tomorrow. But listen, my friends, I hope this passage is helpful. I encourage you to be filled with and walking in the Spirit today and staying in community with other men. God bless you. Take care. Goodbye.